welcome to this week's episode of Highway to Hell, brought to you by the Michigan Daily and the Michigan Daily Sports Section. I'm your host, Noah Kingsley, and today we're going to discuss this week's upcoming matchup between the Michigan football team and the UNLV Running Rebels. Enjoy! So we have a bit of a highway to hail first here today. We have some live studio guests, the, uh, some members of the Scarlet and Gray Free Press, UNLV's student newspaper here to talk. Guys, if you want to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Ryan Gilder. I'm the sports editor at the Scarlet and Gray Free Press. Hi, my name is Grace Poole. I'm a writer. And hi, my name is Donovan Hicks. I'm the assistant sports editor. Nice. Well, thank you guys for coming in. Obviously, we also have our three of our members of the football beat, Charlie Papalardo, Connor Yergood, and Paul Nazar, who we love and adore so much. Um, so we can just get right into it, you know. Not like a, not the highest stakes of games, definitely one that some have called a cupcake on Michigan's schedule, but I guess um, for people from the Scarlet and Gray, you know, is there something about UNLV? Like, what do they do well? What could put them in a position like, if they're going to pull off the upset, what are their keys, you know? I mean, inflation's pretty high. $1.8 million for a cupcake for a cupcake game. That's pretty expensive right there. But, I mean, one thing that UNLV, they're pretty good at is it's kind of weird. They have a two-running back system. So you're going to see out there two running backs at a time. It's almost like shotgun formation. Then they have another running back to the right. Not like quarterback, one running back to the left, one, one running back to the right. They're both on the right side of the quarterback. It's so weird, and the first play for UNLV resulted in a touchdown to their fourth-string running back, Vincent Davis. So you're going to see a lot of people. Like you're going to have to go deep into the depth chart because they use five running backs on this team. So a lot of different running backs, a lot of different plays that they'll do. Also, watch out. Ricky White, last time I played against you guys, almost had 200 yards. But the big premier receiver, number 21, Jacob De Jesus, that's the guy to watch for this weekend. Um, yeah, last week uh, in our game against Bright, we saw a really good um, things coming from our running backs. We saw a lot of good things coming from our defense. Um, I'm personally just really excited to see what um, Barry Odom's going to do this game, just because this is a lot higher competition than um, what we had last week with Bryant, because we paid them to come out and play us at our stadium. So it's kind of funny that Michigan's doing it to us. too. And really, I, the one thing that I just put out there is, I feel like Odom this year, he's playing more of a not full Oregon style offense where it's go, go, go all the time, but if they're able to strain together a couple of big plays, you're going to see them most of the time trot the same running backs right back out there. And something to know, Doug Brumfield, starting quarterback, he can run with the ball too. So there's also a lot of read options you're going to see where one running back's going to the right side, one's going to the left side, and then Brumfield will take it up the middle if there's a gap. Yeah, with Brumfield, like, think of him as almost like a Cam Newton, but like in the Mountain West. So let's see how we adjust. When he plays power five, and it's not even a jokey matter. Like he, he's totally six six, taller than all of us, and add a couple inches that probably add a, add a, like half a ruler on it. So he's a tall guy. He's fast. He could run through a couple guys. Like last game, with ten seconds to go, he decides to run from the twenty yard line. And I'm broadcasting, and I'm like, what is he doing? What is he doing? You know what he does? He runs through five guys, tiptoes, trips, and goes into the end zone for a touchdown. So, so we got the touchdown. He kind of makes you head shake sometimes, but he gets the job done. So let's see if he does it against Michigan. Yeah, so it seems like UNLV, you know, they've got a pretty dynamic rushing offense, I guess. What does Michigan need to do to contain that? Charlie. All right, I'll take this one. Um, I think they need better 
pass rush production, I think, number one, to, to kind of wear down that UNLV offensive line. I don't think they had their best performance last week against East Carolina. Uh, Kenneth Grant did some really good work as a defensive tackle. Chris Jenkins is a beast, but you got to get guys like Braden McGregor in the backfield, really like wear down the offensive line in order to make those running plays a little bit harder. Yeah, that's definitely something I would say. I think that um, last week Michigan's defensive line, even the edge tackles and the linebackers, they were adequate, but they weren't anything special, right? You saw no sacks in that entire game. And, you know, East Carolina, well, good, wasn't great. They were getting the ball off quick, but I think that that's something that a lot of coaches say, oh, they were just getting the ball off quick. That's why we weren't functional. That's why we didn't do what we were supposed to do. But you could even see when the players talked, there was a little bit of frustration that they didn't get there quicker. Braden McGregor talked about it, I think. Um, and so I think that from Michigan's perspective, um, defensive line play is going to be paramount if UNLV, like you guys said, is going to be tricky with four or five running backs with the quarterback getting into the mix. Um, what Michigan would have to do is really give them no time, get the defensive line moving quicker, um, make sure the linebackers stay in position, and nothing big goes for UNLV. Little Mike Pass. Noah, thanks for having me back, man. Anytime, Paul. We're always happy to have you. Um, but yeah, seconding, seconding with these fine gentlemen said, uh, it's another interesting wrinkle, is which we'll get to soon. Uh, you know, you're mentioning there's four running backs, five running backs, add some complexity. And then on the Michigan sideline, there's going to be two different head coaches over the course of a game. So I wonder, oh, how's that going to play into effect when maybe players might have to make a little bit more adjustments, maybe think a little bit more. It's like not just hitting a certain gap, like maybe they're, you know, different coverages with having four to five different people rotating. So that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to kind of watch and see how they adjust. Um, it's interesting. Running backs coach Mike Hart will be the head coach in the second half. So I'm sure he could give some tips to defense about running backs. That's kind of his, his wheelhouse. So it should be interesting to see how that all kind of blends in. But Noah, man, really appreciate you having me on here. Paul, again, really anytime. You could, you could come on and you could talk for 30 minutes and our listeners, they would love it, Paul. Thank you. you don't, don't, don't let me do it, though. <laughs> yeah, so, but what you touched on a little bit is that Michigan is deciding, in lieu of Jim Harbaugh, who is suspended, who's the second of his three-game suspension, they're splitting this game. Jay Harbaugh, special teams coordinator, is coaching the first half. Mike Hart, running backs coach, is coaching the second half. Do you think that affects how Michigan plays at all? Do you think we're, do you think there's going to be like a clear change between the first and second half, or do you think it's just like one process the whole time? So you can ask anyone on the Michigan uh, football team, and they'll answer a different way depending on how you ask. If you ask, how impactful is it not having Jim Harbaugh out there? They'll say, oh, it's, it means the world to us. It's like our, our world's come crashing down and everything's horrible. And then if you say, so is anything going to be different this game? They'll say, no, everything's the exact same. The mentality's the exact same. Nothing changes for the game. So really depending on how they want to answer it, things change. But what I think the reality is, is that it's going to be weird without Jim Harbaugh. It's definitely going to be strange. Um, but I think that part of the reason that Michigan self-imposed this um, suspension right now is because they're not necessarily thinking that this is a game that they should lose. They're thinking that this is a game where their coaching staff doesn't have to be at 110% to win. Um, obviously, I'm sure that adds a little bit of like motivation to a team like UNLV. Um, but so I think that there will be strangeness, but I think that they're just expecting that it won't impact them too, too much. Yeah, and, and I'll add too, like if I was a player on UNLV and they like, I would feel like two coaches is kind of disrespectful. Like you're not even taking it seriously. I'd be in demon mode. I'd be hit like hitting every extra workout. I'd be lifting like you'd see me jet in the game. But I, I, it's going to be awkward, I think. As much as they say there's going to be like a halftime switch between coaches, 
there's so much that you learn in a first half about a football team that you're playing that relying on the head coaches to pass off that knowledge is going to be tricky and it's going to be something to watch for how they kind of pull that off and maybe pass notes or kind of debrief in the locker room whatever they do um, they're going to have to be sharp yeah not much to add there I mean honestly I'll say like if I think this might have happened to Connor before like they they said they were going to switch professors halfway through the year and Connor was like that's disrespectful and he hit the books hard too like I (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with this that's, that's the point he is academic weapon um but certainly, like I think, I think UNLV, I would, I would be disrespected too, just like what Connor's saying. So I'm curious if they said anything this week about that. Well, I, I think that, I know they didn't bring it up in the press conference, but I, I think that we could all agree on here that the reason why they want to do two head coaches against UNLV is that this game, they think Michigan thinks that this game will not matter in the second half. That's what everyone here is banking on. It's a 40-point spread, almost not quite 40. UNLV still within 40, but. <laughs> But that's what everyone's banking on here. I think everyone in this room is banking on, okay, the second half of this game probably isn't going to be that much of a game anymore. And there will be, be things to see. There will be time for Hart to actually coach and like see what he could do. But the game won't really matter. It will be almost like a preseason NFL game vibe at that point. But UNLV, they're trying to bank on the fact, hey, let's make the first half good so that Hart actually has to make adjustments in the second half. It's almost like the first half of this game is, is more important to UNLV than the second half right now. Yeah, and, and Mike Hart kind of talked about that, too. He mentioned in his press conference this week, to, to paraphrase, that he's excited to get some, like, backup guys into the game should they execute in that first half, and he kind of put a big question mark on that. Um, obviously, as a coach, you don't want to, like, dismiss the first half. Like, you got to get your guys to go out there and, and, and execute. Um, but Michigan's still looking to kind of figure out its, its depth chart right now. I mean, there were a lot of injuries the first week. There's a lot of freshman performers that have been really good. I think of, like, Frederick Bohr had a pretty good game at receiver. You have uh, Khalil Mullings are trying to get more touches as more of a power running back. Uh, and then there's the backup QB competition, too. And, like, Michigan could, if this game is relatively close, it could be like East Carolina where they keep J.J. McCarthy in for longer, keep the starters in for longer, and really can't learn those lessons in a game where, like, I feel like – like you said, like they're really looking to get that like second half to just be sort of a, a tryout. Um, I just have a question for you guys, really quick. Um, how do you guys think the players are going to respond to uh, Mike Hart's coaching and um, your guys' head coach's brother? Um, I think I think they they love both of them at least of what they've shown us. Um, Mike Hart's always been both both coaches are very highly res- respected. Um, Michigan made a big scene last week like the free Harbaugh stuff um and they all kind of like rallying around their coach every single coach has gone up there and said like grateful to Jim Harbaugh for this opportunity almost pointing to the heavens if you will so they all are just trying to make him proud apparently um I think they'll react positively though um I think they they like their coaches a lot it seems uh so I don't I don't see I don't see any rift like oh why is this person coaches why that it seems like they're just rolling with it and trying to make their beloved head coach who has been stripped away from them uh happy what did what did jj say it was like i want my coach back i just want my coach back like come on he sounded so dejected i do think that an interesting like kind of subplot to all this though is you asked like how they're going to respond to them i think they're definitely going to respond to mike hart especially with after last year i think it was what was that game indiana Uh, Indiana. he goes down uh, did he have like a heart attack on the sidelines or he had some sort of like it's, it's not public, but he had something on the field where he, like, passed out and, like, just 
was in dire critical condition and had to be carted off the field and that scared a lot of people and Blake Corum, you know, walks off and there's tears in his eyes, right? And so I do think that for a lot of them, it's like they really love Mike Hart. He's a guy who kind of is a legend around Michigan. And so I think that, like, specifically, I don't know what I can say for Jay Harbaugh. There's been a lot of discourse about, oh, he's only getting this because he's Jim Harbaugh's son. And I don't really have anything to add to that. I'm not knowledgeable enough about the situation or his capabilities. But I do think that for Mike Hart, the players will want to perform. I think that just to kind of shine a good light on him because he's someone who's very open about his head coaching aspirations. Like when they asked him, he was like, yes, I want to be a head coach. And I think it was Donovan Edwards or one of them said, I hope he's here at Michigan, but I want him to be a head coach too. So there's a little bit of motivation to perform for Mike Hart, um, just kind of with all of those things coming together. Yeah, and I, I forget, someone wrote about this in like the national media, and I can't remember who, but part of the like four-coach sequence with Harbaugh's future at Michigan, kind of uncertain, right? There's still the NCAA process. He still could decide he wants to go try to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. That's one of his dreams. Um, it seems like it's sort of a coaching tryout as well. Uh, I don't want to like steal that as an original thought. Um, I'm just blanking on the name of the, the author that wrote that. But I do feel like Mike Hart is a, a very intriguing option for Michigan or even another school. Um, just because like he hasn't really had coordinator experience. He's been a running, running backs coach. Um, and, and so this is a really big opportunity for him to prep and really get that team ready for that second half and, and execute. Yeah, I mean, I guess so obviously Michigan is going to be looking at these coaches this week because, like you said, it could definitely be a head coaching tryout given that who knows what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. He'll probably flirt with the NFL again. He might – do some, he might do something random entirely. He's a, he's a very unique individual. Some would call him a martyr, you know. <laughs> uh, not Connor. Connor would not call him a martyr. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I guess what are, what are they looking for from their players? Like, who, what do they want to get out of this game? What does Michigan want to get out of this game beyond just a win, obviously? Uh, one thing, I mean, they've – it's been an interesting discourse about, like, they, they were kind of pass first. The run didn't really get going for them. They ended up with over 100 rushing yards, but they, certainly they were relying on the, the passing game to move down the field, which is atypical of Michigan for anyone who's covered or seen them over the last couple of years. Um, and they, they said they expect that kind of defense to stack the box to continue. So it'd be interesting to see uh, kind of what they do from, like, a play-calling aspect and, and what they what they actually end up relying on. I do expect them to move down the field, but it's curious to see how. Yeah, and I think part of that, too, is just getting better production out of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards when they get touches. Um, obviously, they're both very talented backs. They're kind of on, like, I don't want to call it a – a pitch clock or anything but like there's not enough reps to go between both of them for the level of back they are and they didn't really seize the opportunity last week I think Blake Corum had one like 30 yard rush 37 something like that but that was it not Donovan Edwards had like five yards and six carries in the, the first half like and he was very animated at the pressers this week about it he was not happy with that and so I feel like they need to kind of, with the in tandem with the O line, in tandem with their fullbacks and their blockers and tight ends, they kind of need to figure it out this week and really get a, a good body of work in before they start nearing Big Ten play. Because once they get to the Big Ten and the run matters even more when you have teams that are are, are going to try to cover passing routes and really try to lock down, um, I, I think they're going to they're going to need to figure that out now rather than later. This one's definitely less top of mind, but I also think it's something that's kind of important if you're Michigan, is figuring out kicking, right? Um, is is 
uh, James Turner the guy because you come in with Jake Moody who hadn't missed a kick like you know had missed very few kicks and then of course goes to my Niners and starts missing them again but um, Jake Moody who was really really stellar at Michigan and then James Turner comes in and I think his second extra point he misses and then he hits a 52 yarder uh, but then take, hit, tries to go for another 50 yarder and just shanks it and so I think if you're Michigan you want to see a lot more stability there and so I think that's something to look out for I almost wonder, too, like, if that's just the nerves of going from... He was at Louisville, right? Yeah. I wonder if it's going from there to an atmosphere like the Big House when you have 100,000 fans just screaming at you, even if you're you're on Michigan. Um, so that could be something to watch out for, maybe. And kickers are usually a little bit between their own ears sometimes. But I feel like that, that might be a, an issue he's running into. Yeah. Um, I'll post this one to the Scarlet and Gray people. You know, they mentioned, obviously... Corman Edwards, lightning or thunder? Do they call themselves lightning and lightning, right? Thunder and thunder. They they call themselves the same one of thunder and lightning. I don't know the exact one, but they East Carolina did a pretty good job of stopping them last week, all things considered. Um, but it ended up in just like an excellent effort by JJ McCarthy and Roman Wilson and the passing attack as a whole. A, do you think that? Um, UNLV can stop that running back duo, and if they can, do you think that'll leave them kind of overexposed for the passing game? Um, so Barry Odom talked about in the press conference the biggest thing for this game against Michigan because he said, okay, there'll be times where we make a, pl- we make a good play call, but Michigan's going to make a better play call, and they have better players, and they're going to be able to stop our players, but we got to be able to eliminate chunk plays. So going into the game, I think that there's going to be a lot of times where UNLV and Michigan, where there will be times where UNLV does a play, they'll get stopped at the line, and then they'll have to punt on three and out. That's going to happen in this game. It will. But what UNLV is going to prioritize is being able to eliminate chunk plays. But the real question you asked was, are they going to be able to? And I, I would be lying if I would say, oh, yes, they definitely can, because right now, I don't know. They gave up chunk plays to uh, Zevi Eckhaus, the quarterback of Bryant University. If they're giving chunk plays out to Zevi Eckhouse, who's actually a very good quarterback out of um, Century City, California, went to Century City High, right near where I'm from. Good quarterback. He's an FBS-level quarterback that plays in the FCS. Terrible day doesn't have an offer. He should have gone one last, uh, last transfer portal. But if he's getting chunk plays on UNLV, I think basically any FBS quarterback can. And then to say that, do I think that Michigan won't get any on UNLV tomorrow or – Whenever this is on Saturday, I, I, I highly doubt that they won't be able to get any uh, stops on chunk plays. There's going to be some. It just they got to be able to limit them. And then I'll just chime in, I guess. I mean, against Brian, it's – I feel like they were relatively able to contain the rush of Brian, but, again, it's a completely different ball game when you're coming up against Michigan. But I feel like if they are able to stop the run, it's got to be in the pass defense because – Bryant was definitely able to get chunk plays. They were looking downfield a lot. A lot of DBs were getting burned, uh, especially when they got past midfield. It seemed like they tried to move more into a press coverage, and it just didn't work. If they're able to at least eliminate a few of those chunk plays, maybe you're able to stop them a couple of times, but it's going to be a really tough test for that defense, even if the offense is able to put up points, because I'm sure all you guys are probably thinking if UNLV somehow pulls up an an upset of any caliber, it's going to be in a shootout game. I don't think anybody thinks this is going to be a defensive duel. Um, I really try to be an optimist, especially when it comes to my sports teams. But um, 
we knew we kind of, we know what we're coming into and the best i can say is hopefully barry odom has something up his sleeve but i don't know about that i know what's really funny is that i think the complete opposite of actually donovan on this one where he thinks like oh it'd be a higher shootout no if unlv if they're going to compete in this game it's going to be extremely low scoring because the only way i see unlv winning is if let's say michigan their offense is flat if they hold Michigan into no chunk plays or very minimal in chunk plays where they're not able to score, let's say, 20 to 25 points, then UNLV, all they have to do is score a couple times, and this game could get a little bit close. Because everyone's expecting in this game, Michigan scoring a bunch, UNLV scoring basically within single digits, maybe 10 to 14 points, but nothing more than 14 points in this game. But if UNLV could hold Michigan, that's if. That's a big if. Like These ifs are like 5 to 10% odds here. But... If they could hold them into that 20 to 24 point mark, that's where UNLV actually has a chance to pounce on them. But that's a big thing, holding on the chunk plays and being able to be within striking distance of UNLV, I mean, between striking distance of Michigan instead of trying to compete with them down to down, touchdown to touchdown, that ain't going to happen, I think. I think another thing to mention is that we mentioned UNLV's rushing offense and how dynamic it was against Bryant. If you, Michigan's ahead, you're not going to be able to run that same style of rushing offense going down the field. You're going to have to see more UNLV's passing game, which we haven't been able to see very much of yet. Um, I completely agree with what Ryan said. Um, defense is our only real chance of winning this game. I completely believe that. So the one thing that all like the Michigan coaches kind of talked about when they were talking about UNLV, I think three of them back-to-back-to-back to back to back came out and said, well, the quarterback's got a cannon arm. He can throw it really far, and he overthrew some guys, but that's going to get fixed. So, I mean, like, what in the throwing game? Is he actually a threat for UNLV? Do you, do you think that he's a, really something that Michigan needs to watch out for, and do you think that overthrowing, do you think that's going to be fixed in week two? Um, I think Doug Brumfield, he should be a Power 5 quarterback. He really is. And you'll see it. Well, that's if you'll see it. Because actually, you're right. Where last game, he was overthrowing some guys. But when he hit his stride last season before he got hurt, he was a Power 5 level quarterback. And you guys will see he's a Power 5 level quarterback. But then you'll also see that UNLV, there's a lot of guys that aren't ready to play in a Power 5 level. And that's what I think the difference of the game really is. But I think Doug Brumfield, he could compete. Like, he really can. Like, People are surrounding around him because they want to be close to him because they think he's going to make the NFL one day. And that could happen. Because UNLV quarterbacks, they often, like, there's times where they make the NFL. I know Randall Cunningham way and way back. But Armani Rogers, I mean, he came in and he turned to a receiver role. But there's times where UNLV quarterbacks, they still go to the NFL. And I think that Doug Brumfield, he's one of those, like, wild uh, wild cards because he was second, third team, all Mountain West in the preseason. But he could really show out in this game because last year he didn't get to play against Notre Dame because he was hurt for that matchup. He could show up in this game and maybe get some number one first team bids, maybe some more second team bids. He really has a big tryout for national attention. He's playing on CBS. He's going he's gonna to give it his all, but that also means there's going to be more jitters. You might see a couple more overthrows maybe early in the game compared to later in the game. Yeah, I think just to add on to that, I mean, you mentioned, Ryan, that there's a lot of guys that maybe aren't ready to compete at this Power 5 level, but I think guys like Ricky White, who's been here before, and a guy like Jacob DeJesus, who's just proving himself kind of time and time again, if they're able to play to the top level that they possibly can, I think that this passing offense can actually find a lot of daylight. But at the same time, it's a, again, the ifs are just really outweighing what reality could be. Yeah, and then, you know, just to wrap up, 
I'm going to have you guys quickly go around the table. You know, it's a 37-point spread uh, in this game, so I'm not going to ask for an outright winner, but just, you know, who who does each of you, like one word quickly, Michigan or UNLV, which one covers the spread? The 37-point favorites of Michigan. Uh, UNLV. I'll go Michigan. UNLV. I think uh, – I, can I say why I think each team would get to the point where they win at? Or okay, because yeah. I, I okay, I'll say Michigan if they're able to score over thirty, I think they'll get it. But if UNLV, uh, I think that's it. Because if Michigan gets over thirty, they'll get it. If they don't get it over thirty, UNLV will defeat the spread, of course. And I think that I'm going to go exactly what you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so. And, and thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, man, you're the man. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, no, So, so Paul, glad to have you guys Paul, on. Paul picked up the mic and instantly pointed at Noah. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, Paul, Paul loves doing that. He, he hypes me up. He's my hype man. All right, thank you guys so much. And, yeah. That'll do it for this week's episode of Highway to Hail. A big thank you to our members of the Football Beat for joining us, as well as to the members of the Scarlet and Gray Free Press who came all the way from Vegas to join this. As always, to read all of our content as the season continues, go to our website at michigandaily.com sports. Until next time, see ya. Oh, no.